0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 629. Uh,
1: basically, it's do not regret growing older. It's a privilege denied to many.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, John Rayford. John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to rock and roll. All right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Great to have you here. Okay. John Rayford has had many jobs over his 70 plus years. He's been a bartender, a copy boy, a teacher. He's owned businesses and x-ray tech and worked in a level one trauma center and a professor of radiologic sciences. He's also been a car guy his whole life. Born and raised in Indianapolis, that's pretty common. In his retirement, John has taken up a new challenge, learning how to create 3D automotive pieces and automotive-related products using computer graphics. He started with the demonstration principles of radiology and migrated into cars and other objects he found interesting. By studying coach builders and styling houses, including Paninferina and past cars, yeah, I guessed, Rafi Manesian, John's taken his passion for cars in a whole new direction, proving you can indeed teach an old dog new skills. So, John, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your career and your life and, of course, your passion for automobiles?
1: Well, I guess that what you could say about me is I'm a person who has gone down a lot of different alleys, a lot of different roads, um, and enjoyed every single one of them. Um, I'm going to speak more about it later on today, but, you know, I just uh, find it really amusing to me to uh, to do that. Now, I suppose there are people that say, well, you you haven't focused on anything. Well, actually, I have. <laughs> but sometimes I get uh, doors open, and I walk through them to see where they lead me. And yeah. Lo and behold, I wind up here talking to you on the internet. So
0: (laughs) I know, isn't, isn't that funny where life's paths take us? And I think this is really important because a big part of cars, yeah, is inspiring automotive enthusiasts, proving to people that if you have a passion for something, you can find a way to create a career or have some interest in it or involvement in it. And in your case, you've always been a car guy. So. Uh, When Rafi suggested that I connect with you, he said, hey, John's a really interesting guy. I think he'd be fun to talk to and share with your audience, and that's why we ended up here today. So we're going to learn a lot more about you as we travel down this path and journey of your life with all the different roadways you've taken. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, some kind of inspirational thought that has some meaning to you. It's a good way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah, so John, take the wheel.
1: Okay, well, I've got a couple of thoughts. Uh, one was uh, a, a quote that I found on the internet not too many years ago. Uh, basically, it's, do not regret growing older. It's a privilege denied to many.
0: Uh, yes. You probably you know that one, I assume. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: well, you know, someone who's 70, I just turned 71 a couple of days ago. So.
0: Ah, happy belated birthday.
1: Thank you very much. Well, you know... And I know people that in my life that are no longer with us, you know. And so every single day that I go by is a, is another winner for me. So that's that's why I never complain about getting old now. It doesn't mean I won't complain about achy bones and bad joints, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but growing but the growing old part's okay. I
0: like that. It is a privilege indeed. And you know, I I always tease my mom about this because she talks about that, and I say, you know what, Our birthday every year means you're still here with us, so that's a good thing. That's right. We're
1: on the right side of the grass, as they say. <laughs> you know right. Now, you,
0: you said you might have another thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, the other one was it's about learning because I've spent a lot of my career in the teaching of uh, art and in the teaching of radiological sciences. And, and I think, for me, that it, it, there's a learning obligation for being human. Uh, all, lot Lots of animals learn at one level or another, but humans learn at a level that's unlike any other living creature on the earth and because of that, I think it's an obligation that we continue. Mm -hmm. Even if we may not be particularly excited about doing it, you know, we we really should never stop learning if we can, and and that's kind of my personal overall philosophy of uh, life and study and growing intellectually.
0: Oh, yeah, and and it is so, so important, and I have friends who are doctors who are really forced to have to continue their education throughout their whole life and sometimes they say it's kind of a burden because they're they feel like Mm -hmm. they're in school all the time but in the other respects that constant learning keeps us young that brain activity keeps us young i tease my wife because she loves mathematics and she sits Mm -hmm. and does these math puzzles all the time and i know that's going to serve her well as she gets older of course she's she's not old now so in case she's listening she's very young (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah, it's a really, really important way to go through life, and there's just sure. so much now at our fingertips where we can learn things, and there's so many new things to do. This podcast that I do here at Carja yeah, forced me to learn all sorts of new techniques and things and ways mm-hmm. to do things that I'd never done before, and I've always had uh, uh, an inkling with uh, people that get older, they're kind of afraid of this new technology, and that's why I love mm-hmm. the fact that you've embraced this computer graphics aspect of your life and really mm-hmm. dove in with your head first because a lot of people as they get older they're afraid to push buttons and do things so right. i think that's great great mantra to live by well you grew up in indianapolis that's what car heaven so let's go back mm-hmm. in time and have you share a story that instigated your passion for cars is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy
1: there sure was, and, and I didn't know before it happened. Uh, but boy, when it happened, that was it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this goes back to when I was probably ten or eleven years old. We, uh, my dad, had just started a new job, and you know we weren't wealthy at the time. So I lived in a little uh, shotgun double, not too far from downtown Indy. And uh, though we couldn't afford to go to the five hundred, we could go to practice days, you know. And so that was fun. And you had in those days, you had the run of the whole place. I mean, you could walk up in the uh pagoda and you could go sit in the box seats if you like. You could be, go anywhere basically. And so I remember when I was like I say ten or eleven, I was sitting down, I found a spot on the uh, front straightaway in the boxes, which were not far from the track, maybe uh, ten feet from the track. Mm-hmm. And uh and I'd watch the cars go by. You know, and most of the cars that were running then were often houser powered and in those days probably Curtis cars, you know, I don't think uh, Watson had started building yet. And I remember sitting there watching the cars go by, you know, and I was excited. I thought that was fun. But then I saw them in the corner of my eye, way down and coming out of turn four, a, a blue car, kind of a blue metallic car. And I couldn't hear it that well. And it came by me and had a sound like nothing I'd ever heard in my life. It had the roar of an engine, but it also had this shriek, this sh- this shriek with it. And that was a car called the Novi. And I don't know if you're familiar with Novi's, but... uh
0: Yeah, that was the car uh, Andy Granatelli, I believe, raced in the early 60s. Yeah. Had a supercharger?
1: Yeah, V8. It was a Winfield V8 with a centrifugal supercharger on it. Yep. And it made a sound, I mean, you know. The proverbial hair up on the back of the neck, for sure, you know. Yes. And it just uh, it lit me up, and that was it. I was a gearhead from that, that instant on. I swear to God, that's the truth.
0: <laughs> what, what fun. You know, the first time I went to that track was to watch, actually, the F1 races. Oh, yeah. And I remember standing. It was, it was the first F1 race I'd ever been to live, standing mm-hmm. up in the stands. And when those cars first went by, and this is back when the F1 cars sounded good. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought my ears were going to bleed. The sound was so loud. (laughs) But yeah, it just fires you up. That's absolutely true. Um, Well, John, I would love to take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've been down many roads in your career, in your life, but I'd love for you to share with our listeners a huge challenge or a great failure. And of course, the most important part of this question in our talk has to do with how you overcame that situation. And even more important, we talked about learning. What did it teach you so that you can move forward?
1: Well, um... For me it was a uh, back when I was uh, well let me just preface this by saying that at one point I had kind of lost my job and I was kind of stumbling around for a direction to go there was uh, it was during the early 80s and there was a big recession in the country so yeah there were no jobs and it and it became patently clear that if I wanted to you know work again I'd have to re- to go back and study something new so I discovered by looking that the only thing I could qualify immediately for was to become an X-ray technologist, which wasn't a bad deal. But to be honest with you, I had no—I had no idea what that was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And so I applied for it, and lo and behold, I got accepted to the program. So that was kind of cool. But I had—I think I went to from South Bend, to Indianapolis, with—I uh, think I had three hundred dollars to my name, and. Two years of teach or love education ahead of me, man. That was wow. It. Yeah. So it was a hail mary shot, if there ever was one, um, which was pretty appropriate coming from South Bend, Notre Dame. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go, <laughs> the Fighting Irish. <laughs>
1: At any rate, uh, you know, I went down there, and when I was in class, I, I, I found something out about myself, and that was that listening to the lecturers talk about the various anatomy of, uh, of people and how to per- position and so on. I found out that rather than just scribble down notes as fast as I could go, I um, I start drawing the things that oh. they were talking
0: about. Oh,
1: so my art background was starting to play there a little bit, and uh, and I thought to myself, I wonder if you could draw a picture of what an X-ray looks like in in a, in the real world. If you could draw the anatomy the way the X-ray distorts it, because when you see an X-ray film or an X-ray on a on an imaging tube, why it's it's really a shadow, you know, and it's flat, you know. Yeah, sure. So you have to interpret it in a three-dimensional way. That's what the docs are so good at. But I thought if I could draw that, you know, it would be something that couldn't be seen in the real world, but I could represent it as a piece of art. Mm. So after some time, this moves forward a number of years, I was teaching at that time. and uh, Someone had seen a, uh, a, a article I'd published in a journal, and the lady was from a, a company called WB Saunders, a book company, and she talked to me and asked me if I'd be interested in doing a book on the subjects of uh, specialized orthopedics. And I said, "Sure." And I, <laughs> I, don't, I really didn't realize what I was getting myself into, but <laughs> so I decided to do it. And I decided to, to push that uh, that that philosophy or that, that visualization of of the body parts in a way that uh, you know that. People could look at it and say, oh, I see this part moves down this way because the tube's angled, the shadow goes that way. And so I did it. And, you know, it took me about two and a half to three years of working on the art. I, I drew everything in the book, um, line drawings and renderings and uh, wow. icons and the whole nine yards, and I, I did it with, a, uh, with my teaching partner, and he took care of the uh, some of the research and, and so on and the writing part of it. but. I guess I worked three hours a day for almost three years putting the drawings together. There's 420 drawings. I think I did for the whole book. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, And that's what I'm proud of. I have all my academic side. I mean, that book came out really just exactly as I imagined it when I was sitting in as a first year student in in the X-ray class trying to draw that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Obviously a big challenge. I've had a lot of guests on the show that have done books and, Mm-hmm. And they're much bigger works than anyone ever imagines oh. once they get into them. So. Oh,
1: yeah. And I can tell you for a fact, academics don't pay well either. You
0: know. uh, no, they, they typically don't. No, unfortunately, yeah. they don't at, at a lot of different levels. But, you know, yeah. your your comments uh, bring to mind a past guest I've had here, very interesting artist from the United Kingdom, Nick mm-hmm. Vizi. And mm-hmm. Nick is a guy who has figured out how to take x-rays of objects primarily automobiles and motorcycles mm-hmm. and then he creates these giant images and if you think about an x-ray machine it only shoots a certain space right. and he's figured out how to x-ray full vehicles and then piece wow. all the things together in computers i, I think like with yeah you got to look him up uh on my, on my website you'll find him under nick of v-e-a-s-e-y with links okay. to his website i think you would really like to learn more about what he's doing with your x-ray background, your computer fascination and passion, and your automotive. He's combined them all in some very unique ways. Sounds great. Yeah, check him out. Well, I will. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a another time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new path. Now you've been down many paths, many roads as you said, many alleyways. So tell us about one instance where uh, those headlights helped Direct you in the right path and kind of created an aha moment for you
1: well, this goes back to uh, my career in, in radiography once again, and we needed some uh, some ways to to teach that I thought maybe uh, some of the new 3 d animation software might be useful. I had no idea how to use it or you know anything like that. It was very expensive back there too, so I couldn't as an individual afford to buy it, but you know the program could afford to so I kind of talked. I, you know, I did a little song and dance and talked my <laughs> program director into uh, buying some software with mm-hmm. the promise that I would be able to make some 3D or do some animation. And it took me a while to learn it, but it was a program called 3Dx, mm-hmm. uh, 3D Studio. Now it's called Max. But uh, so I, I learned to do that, and, uh, and I was able to d- demonstrate again some some uh, radiographic principles with 3d animation and though it didn't really lead directly to cars at that moment in my life after i retired the skills that i learned there were then applied to what i was what i'm doing these days
0: so i see yeah that's so
1: that's kind of a the initial contact with the uh, with the with 3d imaging technology
0: very cool well i would assume throughout your many careers you've had some proud moments is there one that stands out that you could share with us I think,
1: uh, yeah, in terms of a professional career, I think, uh, when I was awarded tenure for at IU as an assistant professor and then later on being pro- promoted to associate professor, those are wow. things that, you know, when you're, uh, when you're in the retail business, uh, selling, leather goods in South Bend, the last thing you'll think you're going to be is a, a tenured associate <laughs> yeah. professor at the School of Medicine at IU. But,
0: <laughs> well, you know. know what's great again here is you've packed a lot of living into your, your years, your, you're, yeah. you're young, 71 years here, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's really great. You've done so many different things and so many people go through their life just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And yeah. Towards the end, we've all heard this from people who are passing away at the, at the end of their life. The only regrets they have are things they didn't try that they should have tried.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I understand that completely. Yeah, yeah. I just, you have to, you know, I, I could have, I could have just, you know, not gone through those doors, as I mentioned earlier in this interview, uh, but they were so enticing that you feel like you have to try, you know, what are you going to do? You going to sit around and complain and it doesn't work, you know?
0: No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Look for those doors and take those steps for, for for sure. Absolutely. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here and go way back in time. I'd love for you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have of that vehicle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I did have a special car. I was, uh, a 1965 Plymouth Barracuda Formula S. Oh wow, cool! Uh, one of the, one of those glass back jobs. Yeah, that, that yeah. First came out, and this is the first year I think they were doing it. And uh, and I got that when I was, I think I just graduated from high school. Well, no, I I've been out a year because it was the end of '65. Okay. And uh, it was a white one, and it had Goodyear blue streaks on, and 273 V8 with a four barrel, and it had a kind of a resonator exhaust, and then a torque flight. Boy, I just I thought I was the hot stuff, you know, and uh, and it was fun. It was uh, in those days, torque flight was the way to go. The sticks were not as quick as the torque flights because they were more consistent. But sure. uh, and mm, I did my share of street racing with it.
0: Well, we <laughs> you know? won't talk about that. But um, okay, uh, back, back well maybe out outside of town in the cornfields, Indiana. There, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll say that. Instead yeah. Of
1: down 38th Street. Uh, yeah,
0: much, much better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, those cars have a special place in my heart because when I was a little kid in the 60s, my parents, we went out one night looking for a new car. Mm-hmm. And we ended up at a Plymouth dealership and, and saw those. And I remember being a little boy. My sister and I crawled in the back of those and lay down oh. and looked through that big window. Oh, I know. And we're going, oh, this is a cool car. And, of course, my parents <laughs> are going, this is the dumbest car we could ever look at for a family yeah. car. We ended up with an Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser. Well, yeah, there
1: you go. <laughs> well, that car, that car was funny too because it, it had a kind of a wing shape, and so if you were driving at say 100, 110 miles an hour, the thing would generate lift. Oh god, and it would just it would be skating around.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not something you want to do with the kids in the backseat. No, seat either, there so. were there were
1: no spoiler lips or anything on that car. It was just, no, no, and it was it was an airfoil with a motor on it. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, it a lot of
0: power for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, is there a vehicle you've owned that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Oh, well, you know, I, when I was a
1: teenager, I was in a rock and roll band, you know, uh, a lot of kids were in garage bands back in those I days. I was
0: in a band too. Yep. Sure.
1: And I, I bought a Fender Precision Bass 19, this would have been 1963 or four. Cool. Pre, pre CBS. And I had a Fender Piggyback Amp, which was also, it was kind of blonde colored ones that they had back. Yeah. And I played that for a while. And then, I decided I wanted to go acoustic, and I was getting ready to move, go to college. And so I sold it for a 100 bucks a piece. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. <laughs> God. You know, I look now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I found a position. A nice one today is, what, eight $9,000 worth, you know? Yeah,
0: so. some of those old guitars have gone just crazy. I had a beautiful old 12-string Gretsch uh that oh, I, I that you. I got that was actually owned by uh uh Nesmith, one of the monkeys. Oh really? How cool is that? was signed by him and uh oh, yeah, wow. I always think why did I sell that? But I sold it to buy a car. So oh, yeah, yeah. That that's why
1: even back then the things were odd back then. I remember there was a little uh a sports car dealer in, in Indianapolis down not too far from where I was living at the time on the east side and you know we we go down there's an ice cream store next door. We go down and have you know get an ice cream cone or something and I'd always walk over to the Across the street to the, to the sport car place, you know. I remember, I remember walking in there one day and there was a, uh, I wasn't real familiar with all the cars at the time, but there was a, a Ferrari short wheelbase Berlinetta sitting in the showroom. Uh huh. Yeah, it been, It was blue with a cream top section painted on it and, uh, Apparently, it had been in a fire and been restored. Okay. Mm-hmm. Five thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, of course, you know, you could buy a new car for two thousand, but you know, yeah, yeah. I it's know not, it's, it's kind that's of that's a seven figure car today. Yeah. At least,
0: yeah, it's incredible, yeah. incredible. <laughs> so, yeah, well time definitely has changed yeah. you know so my dad i wanted my dad to buy that so bad anyway. uh, yeah there was a there was <laughs> yeah. a 58 carrera porsche carrera speedster in our neighborhood uh, for yeah, sale for yeah. three thousand oh. bucks and oh. i begged my parents to let me buy i was only 14 so and they just uh-huh. looked at me and like that costs more than our vista cruiser are you crazy <laughs> so yeah i always remind him how much it's worth yeah. today but uh, right it never
1: hurts You're right they just rolled their eyes
0: <laughs> Well, I would love for you to share what you're doing today. I want you to talk a little bit more about this new passion you've taken up working with okay. computer graphics and Macs. What are the kind of things you're doing that are car-related with this new technology that you've learned about?
1: I'm using a, a program called Maya, which is related to uh, – it's an also awesome an Autodesk program like Studio Max is. Uh, it's a very high-end thing. It's got oh, astonishing layers of stuff that you can learn, which are – I've never even scratched the surface on, but I started you know, getting into cars because what, what I always seem to do is that I, I asked myself a question like, I wonder if I could make a automobile wheel like a, you might see on a, a model A Ford with spokes and a hub and, you know, that sort of thing, narrow and so on. And so I, the first time I started to mess with cars, I, I thought I would try to do that. And then if I could get that part, then I could make four of those, and then I could put a body around it or something, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it took me, I think, pretty close to forty hours of work on the computer to get one wheel. Oh <laughs> yeah,
0: it takes a lot of time, yeah. especially when you're well, first learning.
1: That's exactly the problem. I I went down so many dead end roads. I didn't have anybody training me. I just had to kind of learn it by the seat of my pants and uh, kept going down this this blind road and that blind road and starting again and over and over and over and over. And then I finally got it. You know, I just did a, a wheel similar to that for a car that I did. Oh, I don't know, a few months back, and I think it took me about an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> and even even then, I wasn't, uh, you know, pushing it. I just, you know, yeah, wasn't scary. But uh, but you know, once you've done that, you know, the, then you start to find out, you know, what the, the power of the program. And it's just astonishing just to to uh, to work through it. Um, and it'll do anything besides modeling, which is what I'm doing. You can do animation. You can do cartoon work. It can just, it's just, it's just exciting to work with. And and part of the reason that I do it, to be honest with you, is because as I am getting, I am 71, you know, and if for you to work with Maya or any of those high end programs, boy, you have to use every, every bit of your brain that you can possibly muster. Sure. And it's just really good brain exercise to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a great way to think of it.
1: Yeah, and it's fun and I get, and the end result is fun too, because I, you know, I get things that I like when I'm done with it.
0: Right. It works that you've created.
1: Sure. I thought my philosophy about what to create is that I create cars that either existed at one time and no longer do for any reason or just uh, imaginary pieces. I mean, I do, did a lot of race cars for a while, early race cars from the 20s and 30s, you know, and, and a lot of them are destroyed, um, you know, right. in and crashes and, you know the ones in Europe. A lot of them were lost during the war, and mm-hmm. scrapped for raw materials or whatever. But there are photographs. You know, there are a handful of photographs, and so you work from those, and uh, and you and you wind up with a three D model that has pretty much a very realistic look to it. You know, it's a it's like hyperrealism, or you know, it's it's a virtual virtual reality. I guess is the correct term for it. And so you you know, you, you, in effect, you're bringing this vintage car back to life. If you do a if you do a, a reconstruction like that, and which I like to do, you know, if the car still exists, I mean, you can I mean, you can go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. I'm sure you were there when you were at the track. Oh yeah. You walk in there and you get a camera and take a picture, and there it is. You know, you don't you don't need to do Louis Myers uh, Miller race car. It's sitting there right in front of you. <laughs> so yeah. You know, and and uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking about.
0: Very interesting, and very cool. I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. I love the concept of this new technology uh encouraging and strengthening your brain as well because it definitely does it makes you think in so many different ways all right john here's a very introspective question for you if you were a car what kind of car would john be and why probably not the car
1: that most people would think you know i think if you were probably, probably a lot of people say they'd like to be a ferrari or a lamborghini or something like that or something exotic You know, I think those are great and I, you know, I'd like to have one, although I'm not sure why, but (laughs) I would probably be a car that would be uh, more useful or more practical. Sure. I had a car called a Scion XB when they first came out, little box. People laughed at me and thought, they said, John, what have you lost your mind? What is that thing? (laughs) Until they needed me to haul something. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah, and then all of a sudden I was popular because they knew they could get what they needed in the XB, and I get to get, you
0: know? yeah, exactly, yeah. So <laughs> you know,
1: it it wasn't fast; it was slow, and uh, you know that's okay. But uh, and I do like faster because I've had Honda and, uh, Civic SIs, for example; those are nice. You know, they have enough power.
0: Well, you're the you're the first Scion XB, that's for sure. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would imagine.
0: Well, John, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find... Cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders or 12 or 16 securities through money concepts capital corp member finra sipic okay john we're back and we're entering the last lap and i'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers so here we go what's the best automotive advice you've ever received Buy with your brain, not with your heart. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but we never do. So <laughs> no, it's impossible. But you know, you gotta try. <laughs> you gotta try. Take a friend along to get you to talk you out of buying that used car. That's what I do. That's, yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: Well, I think maybe being somewhat obsessive compulsive about things. You know, I, you know, my, if I if I find a new subject, I tend to just go over the deep end on it and learn as much as I possibly can. I, yeah. I got interested in Art Deco automobiles from the twenties and thirties, and uh, you know, I started collecting the one forty third models that kind of like like uh, that Rafi actually does does some design work for.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. And then I got
1: all the books on the you know on Sauchik and Fagnant and yeah, uh, Chapron and all those you name them. You know,
0: I've had a bunch of guests here on cars, yeah, that are related to all those different vehicles. So I I, I heard uh, Peter Mullins the other day too. yeah, <laughs> so. yeah absolutely spectacular. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources out there, but is there one or two in particular that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, they may
1: know about this already, but uh, there's a site on uh, online called Coach Build.
0: Ah, yeah,
1: you know that one. It's uh nice, you know, it's, yeah, it's very good, and I've learned a lot from it, especially if you're trying to, uh, you know, pick up something on a new car or a new uh, particular coach builder. They have the details there. They have photographs, you know, and that sort of thing. So I find that really useful.
0: Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy?
1: I, got, I, I have a ton of books, and I buy them <laughs> all the time. It's my other habit, worse than the bottle. Mine, car. too. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, I bought a recent book. It's called Concours Retrospective by Richard Adato and Michael Furman.
0: Yeah, well, they've both been guests here on Cars. They Yeah. Oh, yes, they have.
1: Yeah, I Furman to me is just an absolute master of photography. And I just love looking at his books regardless of the subject matter. But yes. this particular one is a neat one because it, it covers a lot of the history of Concours way back from the very beginning when they were really actually almost coaches, motorized coaches, you know, mm-hmm. up to relatively modern times. And I really enjoy seeing period photographs like that. They're kind of, uh you know, it's a fascinating look into the past. And I, I, I always think that's really fun to do in that particular book. Really captures the feel of you know what a, a group of people who I will never know and, uh, and probably will never experience the wealthy people that were alive at the time and how they interacted with their cars and showed them and uh, it's uh, it's pretty neat.
0: Yeah, it's a great book. I've got it on my shelf. And, uh, yeah, again, Richard Dodato and Michael Furman, as I said, have both been guests here. So uh, fantastic shows to listen to, and they've produced some really great books between them. Yeah. Oh, I've got all of the Dodato's books. I love every one of them. Yeah, Yeah. they're great. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at John's own show notes page at carsyad.com slash John Rayford. John's last name is R-A-F-E-R-T. There's also another great place, speaking of books, on the Cars website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the past 628 guests' past book recommendations are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. So check it out. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, John, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, don't worry about that. I'm going to cover the cost today. (coughs) What would that vehicle be and why?
1: I gave it some thought. I really did, but I kind of centered on a, on a, a car called the 1938 Delage Aero Coupe by Portout. Uh, I think it could very well be the most beautiful car ever built. It's designed by uh, a Frenchman named Georges Pauline, and every time I look at it, it just it pleases my. There's uh, just like every line is. Beautifully handled, and there's these subtle tensions that he built in the in the design of the way the lines flow between one another. I think it's just an absolute master. It's certainly his masterpiece, and. Uh I I would love to have it, you know. Now, the question is, what would I do with it? Would I
0: drive it? <laughs> of course. I don't know. You have to drive it. <laughs> well, sure.
1: But I think a lot of it would be like some people say they would get a glass of wine, they go out and put a chair in and just stare at it for hours, you know. <laughs> it's, it's like a like a fine, it's the same as looking at a fine painting to me, except we have some motor, you know. Right. But it's a beautiful, everyone best and show at Pebble Beach, so I'm not the only one
0: that thinks it's neat. Oh, no, that that car, I saw that car live at Pebble Beach the year one. Yeah, and it's. It's absolutely magical. There's so many of those vehicles that you look at them and you go, somebody actually ordered this and bought it and drove it. I, I know. It's, it's well. hard, hard to imagine, but it, it's just, yeah, it, of that era, those cars in that era were magical. That art deco yeah. period, if you will, that mm-hmm. things looked like they would fly and they were huge oh, yeah. and big and giant and massive. And, uh, yeah, they're just, they are they're works of art you just park it in your living room that's what i would do
1: well i think that's where it is i i, I know sam man probably will not cut it loose for you <laughs> <No. buy permission. laughs>
0: thank goodness because i don't think i could afford it either but right uh so, but i could talk yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you know the thing about that too is that all this happened during the height of the depression too you know, it's just, yeah
0: even more amazing yeah yeah it's kind it's of a, kind of an odd period of time but uh, the uber wealthy were always uber wealthy back in those yeah. days so most of them at least that well, very nice choice, John. First one to pick that car, so uh I'll call uh, Mr. Mann and see if we can he just recently sold uh about a dozen of his cars, so uh, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh but that one he still has, I believe. So we Well uh, interesting
1: that you mentioned Rafi Massonian, and he just he just did that model in one twenty four scale for uh Automodel.
0: Oh, uh, okay.
1: His company and uh I think it's in production now. It's not been released yet, but I think it's going to be released before the end of the year.
0: Well, maybe I can afford that. That one I yeah, can get you. So. <laughs> that one that was a little more
1: reasonable. I think I'm gonna have that. That has to be on my shelf. Obviously. Yeah, I think so, so. And I know you have a big
0: collection of model cars, so Yeah, yeah I do. Definitely you'll have to add that. We can get uh Rafi to sign that for you as well, which would be kind of cool. So yeah awesome. Well, John, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed for learning sure. more about you. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanna thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yao listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off into the sunset in that 38th Delage Arrow Coupe. <laughs>
1: um, I would say just don't don't let people tell you what you can or cannot do. Just do it because your heart says to do it. And you might succeed, you might not succeed, but I absolutely guarantee the process will teach you something.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Great advice. Now, do you have a website or any place where people can kind of follow what you're doing?
1: I don't. I have a film,
0: uh, a little uh
1: a sample of my work on face uh, on, excuse me, on YouTube. Okay. You can li- just type my name on there and it'll come up and you can watch it. It's awesome. It's about, you know, seven or eight, ten 10 months. I've done a lot of stuff since then, but it gives you, you know, my 3d work in both cars and, you know, still life and jewelry. And, uh, You know, and some of my uh, line drawings and and color pencil pieces that I did. So, you know,
0: it's awesome. Great. We'll make sure that our listeners, you can find links to everything again here on John's show notes page. Just type John in the search bar. That page will pop up. John Rayford here at com. John, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your many experiences with me and the Cars listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thank you, Mark. I appreciate uh, you taking the time to contact me and, uh, and thank Rafi for putting it, you know, in touch with me. Yep. and it's, it's been great fun. It really has. I've enjoyed all, every minute of it. So.
0: Awesome. Great. The pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun.